The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us on a Sunday morning, we would love to have you be our guest. Service times are 9 and 11 a.m. We hope you'd consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting a donation amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's Word. Well, good morning, ACF Church. Hey, I'm glad that you're here. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. If you are new, welcome. Uh, we're glad that you're with us today. Uh, this, uh, this Palm Sunday, as we celebrate this triumphant entry of Jesus into the city and um, set ourselves up for, for this Holy Week. And I would encourage you, if you aren't necessarily a Bible reader, if you don't uh, have, a, you know, have, a, have a Bible reading plan or whatever, I would encourage you this week of all weeks to just get into the Word this week. Maybe open up the Gospel of Mark. It's the shortest gospel. And just read the story of Jesus, just setting your heart and your mind on Christ as we prepare for Good Friday. I'm excited about that service right here this Friday. We'll be just preparing our hearts for the resurrection on Sunday by considering the death of Jesus on the cross. And so I want to see all you guys here this Friday night for that. But to just set yourself apart this week, uh, set some time away for prayer, get together with maybe your wife or your husband or some friends and just read the word together. You might Read the word out loud to your family, uh, just the story of Christ as we prepare this, this Holy Week. So anyway, we're glad that you're here. This is the last week of the code. It's the last week of our series. It's been 12 weeks now that we've been setting vision as a church. And the code, this series has been all about this idea that we want to we want a better code to live by. We don't want to just live haphazardly. We don't want to just make decisions based on the moment or based on what feels right. Uh, we want to make decisions based on scripture and go to God's word and be driven by that. And so that's been this series is just setting a code that we can live by as a as a church in our city. And it's just been awesome. We're going into a new series called Anchored Soul. And I am so excited for this Easter Sunday. It kicks off our new series. And uh, I just want to tell you guys where we're going. The first week is called The Compass. And we're going to talk about God's promises that he is our true north. He is the way that we decide uh, what is best and good in our life. And he will guide us uh, through all of life's circumstances. So we're going to talk about God's guidance. The next week is called Lost at Sea. Well, we're going to just deal with where is God in crisis? Have you ever been in crisis and wondered, God, what are you doing? How do I, how do I find you and connect with you? How are you involved with my crisis? We're going to talk about depression, which is a lot of people struggle with depression. And uh, we're going to discuss that topic that week. We're going to talk about the third week's called The Great Deep. And we're going to discuss this big, uncontrollable world. And, and what do we do with bad things that happen in this world? What do we do with uh, the, the, just the issues in our society? And where is God in all of that? And then the last week is called Tethered. And we're going to talk about being tethered to God, tapping into the power that God has for us. And so this is going to be a, a huge series as a church, a great series to be a part of. Um, and so excited about that. But here we go. Uh, final week of the code. Is anybody else's life busy right now? Like, do you feel like you're just like ready to go? It's springtime. It's sunny out. I mean, I'm just, I'm excited. But life feels kind of busy. And I don't know where you're at today. Uh, there's a few different types of people in the room. Um, maybe your life is right now just running on all cylinders. And maybe things are going really good for you right now. Like the kids are acting well, uh, your job is going well, you've, your finances are doing well, you've got plans and you're motivated, you're motivated to just get better and to see life be better and, and you're, you're excited about what's to come. And, and then maybe there's some other people in the room today that are not looking forward to Monday. Anybody, anybody like that? Anybody not looking forward to tomorrow? I mean, it's okay. Some of us aren't looking forward to Monday. And maybe, maybe you're at the point where it's so bad that you're ready to change things. Maybe, maybe there's something in, in, in a relationship, in your marriage, in your job, where it, it has gotten to the point where you are ready to change something. And you are motivated to change your life because it is, it is not going well right now. But then there's a third type of person that might be in the room today, and that is sort of the bored crowd. That is the crowd that, you know, tomorrow you're not that excited about anything, but you're not that worried about anything. It's going to be Monday. 
Mondays are always Mondays. You know, it just it's always going to be the same way. You know, you're just sort of walking through life a little bored with things. And, and I totally get this. I've been in seasons like that uh, in and out of. Of, of that when when I'm just sort of doing life, I'm just sort of raising my kids, doing the routine and I've I've lost my motivation. And so today, as we go to God's word, we're going to talk about be, being on mission together and, and how there's this tendency to give way to laziness in our lives. And and I don't know. I don't know if you struggle with laziness uh, or or not. But I struggle with laziness sometimes. Sometimes I just, I don't get motivated. And in fact, so I went on Facebook and I asked my friends, what is the laziest thing you've ever seen or you've ever done? And my feed just blew up. I had all kinds of stuff. I mean, way more content than I could even bring to you today. But I have to read a few of these too. This is pretty funny. This person said, when I was a kid, my mom told me to vacuum my room. So I YouTubed vacuuming and turned it all the way up so she would think I did while I took a nap. Which, so you're like, is that, is that brilliant or is that lazy? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's always a fine line, isn't it? Um, this next one's good. I didn't want to turn my lights off when I was going to bed. So I called my mom using star 69 and used a different voice and asked for myself. When, when my mom came in to give me the phone, I told her to turn my light off. (laughs) I love that. Star 69. Does that even exist anymore? I used to use that all the time. So, yeah, laziness. We all we all have this. Um, our very own Mason Venhouse, worship leader Mason, uh, said I was in a earthquake and I was in my boxers and I wasn't sure I should get out of bed. And so I just laid in bed through the entire earthquake, which which brings up a valuable question. At what point do you risk humiliation before all of your neighbors during an earthquake? Because by the time you're motivated, your roof is on your head. Right. And so it's like, at what point do I get out of here? It's, it's not worse. It's not getting worse. So anyway, I give way to laziness. I found a few more online that I want to share with you just because because uh, that's fun. This one's nice. I love it. Walking the dog from the car window. This one's good. Mowing. <laughs> See, I would do something like this. This is so good. Mowing the yard with the golf cart. That is, that's another level right there. Not taking the doorstop out of the doorstop container. That's, that's it. This is the worst. Okay, so somebody here is the culprit for this. Where you, when, the, when the roll's empty, you stick it on the back of the toilet. What is so hard about this maneuver of, of putting the roll back on the little thing on the wall? And, you know, normally there's a whole stack of them somewhere in the bathroom. This has got to be a bachelor's house. I mean, it's just... And this is the worst. This is the, There's a special place for people who leave their carts in the parking lot. Right next to the cart return. And what I love about this, it's like, I think he's playing Wii Fit, too, which is awesome. He's got the Wii Fit controller, Cheetos in his mouth. I just leave it there for a minute. Let's just soak in the awesomeness of this moment. The thing is, some of you are like, that is the life. I mean, does it get better than that right there? I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it does. So we're going to be in the book of Proverbs this morning. And... Um, Here's what I want. To, I want to set the stage a little bit. The, the book of Proverbs, it's, it's, a, it's called Wisdom Literature. And it was written by this guy named Solomon, who's considered to be the wisest man on earth. And, and as you read the book of Proverbs, it's kind of all over the place. You know, each sentence is like its own little tweet. You know, it's, it's just a little chunk of wisdom. And then the next sentence might be completely disconnected from the previous one. It's just sort of these ways to live. But... The idea here, I want to start off with this, is Proverbs isn't just a book on how to live well. It's a book on how to honor God. It's a book on how to live the best life. And living the best life is a way that you can honor God. And so it's not just good ideas. Because we could preach good ideas. There's a lot of good ideas out there. It's literally that Proverbs is, is bound up in this covenant language, this, this idea that we have a covenant between us and God. And so we want to honor that covenant by, by living the way God calls us to do and living healthy, good, full lives. And, and this type of literature, it does a couple things for us. A lot of pastors don't really preach through Proverbs because they ask, where is Jesus in the Proverbs? And I would say the Proverbs are very important because I think they point us to Jesus. 
They do a couple things. As you read the Proverbs, they, they reveal the wisdom of God in the stark contrast between his wisdom and our wisdom. You know, there's worldly wisdom. There's what we have in our hearts. And in the Proverbs, what they do is they, they reveal the sickness in humanity. They reveal the, the sickness within our hearts. And what they also do is they reveal our need for Jesus. I mean, just, just like the law, it's like a mirror for us. And, and it shows us our sin and it shows us our weaknesses. It shows us our, our shortcomings. And then what we do is we, we are driven into the heart of God. We're, we're forced to say, is there grace? And God stands up and he says, yes, there is. There's grace through Jesus. And so I want you to hear that as we walk into this, because it's it's pretty in your face stuff. You know, some of it's very practical, but other stuff uh, might challenge you. And so open up to Proverbs 24, verse 23, if you want, if you feel like it, because we're talking about laziness. So you can play Candy Crush. I don't care. Whatever. Uh, Proverbs 24. Verse 23. These also are sayings of the wise. Partiality and judging is not good. Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by peoples abhorred by nations. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight and a good blessing will come upon them. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. Prepare your work outside and get, and get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause and do not deceive with your lips. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay back the man for what he has done. And this is really where we're going today in verse 30. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns and the ground was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. And if you want to flip ahead to Proverbs twenty six thirteen, Verse 13, the sluggard says, there is a lion in the road. There is a lion in the streets. As the door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. Anybody uncomfortable yet? With this? Anyway, it's a conviction. Verse 15, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. Some of you, you've already been there this morning, haven't you? I get it. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. So we're going we're gonna to study this today. I think God has something for us, uh, some deep truth for us as we talk about being a community on mission together as we close out this series. And so I encourage you, let's let's press into the heart of God and let's see Jesus through these through these proverbs. Can we pray together? God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that we can come before you as people that uh, that haven't done it right all this week. We know we've made mistakes. We know that, um, God, we can't clean ourselves up well enough to come into your presence. You are holy. You are perfect. You are good, God. And yet you allow us to come before you today as a, as a community uh, in the name of Jesus, by way of Christ and his resurrection. We come here today in boldness and in faith, God, that you will change us and grow us. So, God, would you set our hearts apart this week as we prepare for, for Easter Sunday and the celebration of the resurrection of your son? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you can follow along with me in your insert that you might have gotten on the way in, or uh, you can follow along on your Bible app on your phone or your paper Bible. We do have those. If you don't have a paper Bible and you want one, you can take one of those black ones home with you. That is our gift to you. But our code is this today. Life is a mission, not a vacation. We are here to reach the churched, unchurched, and the dechurched. And we use this language a lot as a church, as we talk about the church, the unchurched, and the dechurched, because that pretty well describes the crowd we've got here. Uh, we've got a lot of people here who are churched, who maybe grew up in the church. You know most of the major Bible stories. You have an idea of what church typically looks like. You don't feel uncomfortable when you come into this space. This feels like kind of like home to you. Um, and maybe you're making uh, disciples and you're being discipled. You're following hard after God. And then there's others in the room that are maybe unchurched 
and you don't know what to expect next. You're like, what's the guy up front going to do next? I don't know. Why are they singing? Why are they passing a plate? I don't, I don't get it. You know, what's, what's going on? And so there are people in this space that have no context for Christianity, don't know the Bible stories, have just come in here at this point in life. Uh, and if that's you, I'm so glad that you're here. And then there are the de-churched, which I'm realizing is a huge crowd um, in our church and in our community of people who have been part of a church at some point and then walked away. And maybe you walked away for your own uh, reasons. Maybe you made some choices and you're like, I just I don't want it anymore. Or maybe the church itself didn't look a whole like, lot like Jesus. And so you're like, I don't really want to be a part of, of that. I don't feel like um, that's a good thing to be. Uh, representing, and so I don't want to be part of the church. And there's a whole crowd of you that are back here today that are going to this church and are exploring faith maybe for the second time, and God is speaking to you. So that's the crowd we've got here. And we're saying that life is a mission. We want to reach all of those crowds in our city. And so I don't know if you know this, but we are surrounded by opportunity. We are just surrounded by opportunity. I look at our church and I just think there is so much that we can do, so much potential. You know, I feel like the Geico commercial with, the, you know, it's like, you've got potential. You've got potential, you know. It's Pinocchio, his nose is growing. It's awesome. Um, six of you have seen that. That's cool. Um, but, you know, there is. There's so much potential in our church, in our city. There's so much that we can do. I think just... Look at the skills that we have here. Look at the abilities and the resources represented in this room today. So, so many opportunities right here. And so I've got three kids and there are two words that drive me crazy with my children. Those words are, I'm bored. Every parent hates those words. I'm bored because the response from every parent is, well, I've got something for you to do. Trust me. I mean, have you seen this place? I mean, it's it's springtime. You know, I got to rake the yard. It's a mess outside. Have you seen the dishes are piled up in the sink? Have you seen this place? And we look at them and we go, how can you be bored? How could you possibly be bored? Or, you know, maybe I've got little kids. And so little Grayson, he can be, you know, in, in the middle of the room and he's learning how to speak. And he's surrounded by toys. He's surrounded by all of these opportunities and he can be bored to death. And I just look at him like, I'm like, I can't give you any more toys to make you happy. Like, I can't, I can't help you with this. There's so much around you. And then I think of us as adults, I don't know if we really go out of this. I think that we kind of get bored with our lives and we look around and we're like, eh, there may be things to do, but I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to be bored. My kids do this. I do this. And then what happens when we, when we enter into, the, into this bored lifestyle is many of us think, well, what I need is a vacation. I mean, what I need to do is just get out of here. I need to get some perspective. I need to go sit on a beach somewhere. I mean, that's going to help me with my boredom. But I'll say this. We think all we need is a vacation, but what we really need is a mission. I think what we need is a mission. I think we need something bigger to live for, something better than just occupying ourselves. We want to be, be participating in a mission. In this boredom as adults, I hear it, and it comes out in a lot of different statements. It comes out like this. My marriage isn't doing it for me anymore. What would life be like if I had never had kids? It's a dangerous road to go down. Careful with that one. School is a waste of time. All of my friends are lame. They're just lame. I wish God would show up in my life. Or I can't wait to move back to the lower 48. <laughs> so here's the thing. Those statements, I mean, there's, it's okay to want to move. It's okay to want different things. It's okay to, you know, to deal with, well, school isn't doing it for me right now. But many times what these statements are is their lack of, of mission. Their lack of clear mission. Because right before you are countless opportunities to be doing things that really matter, to be investing your time and your energy and your resources wisely. And so, so when we say things like that, I'm like, what's right in front of your face right now? Sure, maybe you're going to move in a, in a few months or in a few years. You know, Maybe you don't enjoy school right now. Maybe your friends are driving you crazy. But you know what? They're your friends. It's your school and this is your state. What are you doing here? I mean, what are you doing with what's right before you? 
Or maybe you're looking at me right now and you're like, well, Brian, you're talking about laziness and I am not lazy. I am busy. You don't, I, I work a 60 hour week. I come home. I take care of the kids. You know, I've got four kids. I'm always doing dishes. I'm picking up the house. I mean, you don't get it, Brian. I'm going to soccer. I'm going to karate practice. I am busy. But what you need to understand is the opposite of lazy is not busy. The opposite of lazy is interested, activated, intentional. Do you guys see a difference there? You guys know I can be busy and not doing anything. I'm juggling. Like, look at me. I'm juggling. I'm accomplishing absolutely nothing, but I am very busy. You know, that's that's not what it means to not be lazy. We want to be people think, what if you were interested in your friendships, intentional about your friendships, activated in your marriage, in your job? I mean, what if what if you could have those words assigned to your life? That's what that's what I want right now. In ACF Church, we believe this. And so we believe we have a mission and that mission is laid out very clearly in scripture. It's just to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit, teaching them to follow the ways of Jesus. I mean, that's, that is our mission as a church. We could say it like this. We ACF church are to be agents of the grace of Jesus from Eagle river to the world beyond. That's a great mission, right? I mean, what if everything that you did went through that filter, everything that you are a part of, all of your friendships, all of your relationships, your job, where you live, everything goes through that filter. I mean, that's that's what we want to do. And that's been the whole intention of the code was to kind of line out. What does that actually look like in the daily lives? So there are I came up with five different things from from these proverbs, five different things that happen when we don't have a clear Mission, And so we're going to we're going to talk about those right now. The first one is this. Without a clear mission, we are attached to our beds. We're attached to our beds. Okay, come on. Who likes their bed? I love my bed. I love my bed. Verse 14 said this as a door turns on its hinges. So does a sluggard on his bed. You guys love the word sluggard. Just. It's fun to say sluggard. So does a sluggard on his bed. Have you ever tried to wake somebody up when they're sleeping? You know, they're like dead asleep. So you go over and you just, what do you do? Shake them a little bit. And what do they typically do? They just roll over, right? It's like you roll over and then you shake them again. Then what do they do? They roll back over, you know? I mean, this is what he's talking about here. He's talking about like you are hinged on your bed, you know? And he saw the sluggard here in this situation doesn't just like his bed. He loves his bed. I mean, love the bed. And I get this because on a cold winter day, snow's coming down, toasty warm in the covers. Man, you better get a crowbar to get me out of the bed. I love I love my bed. But what he's talking about is this person who's moving and yet there's no progress. You see what I'm saying? There's there's movement, but there's no progress. That person looks like they're moving. I shook them a little bit. I went away. I came back and you know where they were? Right where I left them, you know, right where I left them. And as Alaskans, this is hard. We, we live in a, in a difficult place when it comes to, I think, having margin in our lives, having space, living, living consistently on mission, because you guys, we just made it through the winter. Well done. Well done, Alaskans. You made it through the winter. And you know what? Here's what I feel like. I feel like I'm at like the gate. Like I'm, you know, it's nice outside. The sun's coming out. I'm just, I'm like gearing up, ready to get, get off on the race. Like, here we go. Here we go. And then summer hits and bam, you have three months max to soak up everything Alaska has to offer. And then you know what? Winter. Again. And so what do we do? We get we get all excited. We get motivated. And, you know, we feel this. It's 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 a sense of entitlement. Like you guys, we have earned a summer. You made it. You made it through a winter in Alaska. And so we're like, bam, soak up everything I can in the summer. Just go crazy. We're all over the map. You know, it's like and if if somebody ever gets in your way, it's like you don't understand. I live in Alaska. And I just made it through the winter, so I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And so we just, we run, we run, we run. You know what then happens? We, we crash land into the fall, and you know what we say? Oh, I have earned a break. 
I have, I have earned a bribe. And did you see that? Did you see what I just did? I dip netted 8,000 salmon. You know, I killed six moose. I killed a caribou. I, you know, rode across the inlet on a, you know, rowboat. I don't know what you did, but you did a lot of stuff this summer. So you have earned a break. And so we go from this like one extreme manic, depressive, like back and forth thing as Alaskans. And we lack consistency. We lack motivation to do the things God calls us to. I think we throw mission sometimes out the window because we get this sense of like, I have earned my right to do what I want. And I, I don't know that it's good for us. I don't I don't know that it's truly giving us the fullest of life. I'll tell you one thing. I'm going to soak every drop of Alaska up this, this summertime. I'm going to get out and I'm going to enjoy it. But I'll, I'll tell you this. If you do it on mission, it's going to mean something. It's going to, it's going to be powerful. And you'll change people's lives if you do it on mission. So that's what I want. Number two, without a clear mission, we are always getting to it. Always getting to it. You going to fix that hole in the wall? Yep. Getting to it. You going to mow the yard? Oh, yeah. I'm getting to it, you know. And then what happens? We never get to it. I I, I get this. So in the, uh, I guess it was probably like August, I noticed this drip in the faucet out next to my front door. And I walked by it and I, and I said to myself, I remember it was, it was it was quick, but I was like, I should get to that. And you know when I thought about it next? January. And January came. It's like, you know, 18 below zero outside. And you know what I have on the front of my house? An ice sculpture. It's crazy. Did anybody else deal with this? Well, let me backtrack. So I did think about it one other time. And I went to the store and I bought a cap. And I just capped it off. Who knows that's the, that's the wrong thing to do? Yeah, some of you guys are in, you're like, yeah, that's broken pipes written all over it. And so that's a bad thing to do. And so the cap finally bursts and it, it water's just going everywhere. And I get out there and I, I, I just, I knew I was getting to it. What, what would have been like a 20 minute job is now a three hour job to thaw out this ice sculpture on the front of my house. Cause now I'm going to have broken pipes. And you know, this is, this is life sometimes though, is you think I'm going to get to it. One day I'm going to get to it. And then what happens is we think, man, I wish I would have gotten to that sooner. You know, man, I wish I would have done that sooner. We, we've got a great opportunity coming up with Easter church. I mean, we're excited about this. This is a season of the year that our community, people in general, are way more open to conversations about faith, about church, I mean, about your story. What has Jesus done for you? I mean, this is a great opportunity. And so we've been talking for months, like invite your friends to church, talk to them about this, open up the door, open up the conversation. And I just, I wonder if there's some people in the room that have been saying, oh yeah, I'm getting to that. Yeah, I'll get to it. You know, we'll get to it. I want to encourage you guys get to it. Cause this is, we don't get this all year long. This is a, this is an opportunity for us as, as a church. And it's all about presenting Jesus to people. And as they come on Sunday morning, we will tell our community about the grace of Jesus, that he conquered sin and death on the cross by his resurrection. I mean, isn't that beautiful? What a great story to be able to share. And so don't just get to it, get to it. You know, I mean, I mean, be on mission. This is what we want to do. Number three, without a clear mission, we are abounding with excuses. Abounding with excuses. This is this idea of if somebody doesn't want to work, they won't. I mean, if, if you literally don't want to get out there, if you literally don't want to be part of the mission, you just like the idea. And this, this following Jesus is sort of this, you know, this heady psychological thing. I'm, I'm just in my mind. I'm following Jesus in my mind you know, if, if it hasn't made its way out to your hands, then you're, you're just you're just going to make excuses. You'll always have excuses. We've always got ways to get out of it. And so here's an example in my life. I used to be a uh, I was always late. I mean, just late to everything. I was late to a date with Amanda once. Bad date. Really bad because I wasn't like five minutes late. I was like 30 minutes late to pick up this poor girl who's all dressed up nice. And she was not happy. So I was late. It was a bad deal. So I got this job out of high school. And what do I do? Well, I show up late. Just show up late. 
But there, the thing is, I always had an excuse. There was always something. Truck wouldn't start. Alarm didn't go off. You know, there's, there's, always, there's always some, you know, the roads were a little icy. An old man was crossing the street, took forever. I'm, I don't know. I mean, I always had something to keep me from needing to be on time. And so my boss, he pulled me aside. He goes, okay, this is how this works. He said, you leave your house with enough time that if you were to get a flat tire on the way to work, you could change it and be here five minutes early. And I'm like, that's unreasonable. I don't know what you're talking about. That's craziness. And then I and I walked away and I was like, oh, he just destroyed my excuses. You know, uh, he just he just showed me that, you know, there's there's always a way to prepare yourself. There's always a better way. I mean, if you really want to do something, if it matters that much, you can be on time. I mean, how many times are you late to a plane? You know, that get on a plane. Not very often because, you know, it's leaving without you, you know. But then it's like, well, but I'm always late for work. And so this was my life. And I was really convicted at that point because I thought, you know what I'm doing? I'm just I am literally making excuses. And maybe some of them are valid in the moment, but I probably could have done something, uh, something better so that I could be on time. And so the reality is, if I just don't want to be on time, I'll just make up excuses. Verse 13 said this. The sluggard says there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. This is this is the point where you had valid excuses and then you ran out of them. And so now you just start making things up. You know, have you been there? You're like, all right, so I'm out. I I can't say that I got a flat tire every day this week. I have to come up with something else. And so you're like, uh, this person says there's a lion in the streets. It'd be like, hey, Billy, can you rake the yard? There's a there's a bear in the yard, mom, which in Alaska is a possibility. But. You just start making things up. You don't know if there's a bear in the yard. You just think, well, maybe there is. And that's a good enough reason to get out of what, I, what I'm supposed to be doing. So he's saying, if you don't want to be a part of it, you just won't. You know, if you don't want to be on mission for God, if you don't want to be intentional about changing your life for the sake of the gospel, then you just won't. There will always be excuses. I don't know. Were you guys, uh, how many of you were here for, we had a visitor last year. His name was Bob Mortimer. You guys remember Bob Mortimer a few for you guys? So some of you were here. So he came by and Bob is an amazing man. You should look him up online. So Bob, uh, early on in his life, got in this horrible car wreck. And it was just he went through a power line and knocked down this power line. And it was just a, a big mess. And he comes stumbling out of the car and he grabs onto one of the power lines. And when he does, thousands of volts goes shooting through his body, grounding him to the ground, and it literally exploded all four limbs. And so Bob has no arms and no legs. And he's awesome. I mean, Bob has done more in the last 15, 20 years than many people will do in their entire lives. And so I had the privilege of interviewing Bob and just having a good conversation about life with Bob, for me, it was super impacting just to spend some time with him. But you know what? I mean, do you know people that have just had a bad lot in life? I mean, they've just been given some really bad stuff. They've just been sick or they've got family issues that they didn't choose. It was just chosen for them. Things have been done to them. But do you know people like that that have overcome? And they're just awesome. I mean, they have chosen to be a different person, not to let their circumstances define them. I mean, that's just amazing. You meet somebody like that and I walk away going, I got no excuse. My excuses stink. You know, I mean, you look at a person like that and you just think there's so much I can be doing. This guy loves Jesus. He's telling the world about Jesus. And if he can do that with no arms and no legs, I can do that with with arms and, and legs. And so I just it's just a great opportunity just think of all that we've been given. And so this next one is my favorite. Verse 15, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. Do you, can you picture this? This is Cheeto guy. So he's like, so he does the work, right? He's got the bowl. He fills it up and the bowl's full of Cheetos and he gets his hand in the dish and then he stops and he's like, I really underestimated the amount of work that was going to be. I really planned on eating some of these. But I just can't do it. I just can't do the work. I mean, this is who he's talking about. I mean, I just, I can't finish 
the job. And I don't know if you connect with this where where you like to start things but not finish things. I mean, come on, be honest. Some of you have like the project in the garage that, you know, you started 10 years ago and it just it's just not been touched for five years. Or you've got that situation that you've gotten yourself into, but you haven't yet figured out how to get out of it. So you've just sort of pushed it off to the side or you've got that schoolwork that you kind of started that you never did or, you know, that that stuff. I mean, we all have this tendency to just kind of start things. And he's talking about this guy where it's so bad that he literally sticks his hand into a dish and he can't finish the job, can't close it up, can't get it quite up to his mouth, you know, and finish the deal. So I I think we can all struggle with this. And I think that we even see it spiritually. Some of you have stalled out spiritually. Some of you feel like, man, I've been in the church my whole life and I know a lot of stuff. And I've heard a lot of sermons, Brian. You know, I've read the Bible. I've I've done a lot of good things with my life. And you've just kind of stalled out spiritually. And you're like, man, I just feel like God's kind of silent I feel like he doesn't speak to me anymore. I feel like he's not there when I try. And uh, so Paul writes this in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So he's, he's closing out the letter to this, this church in Thessalonica and he's saying, listen, God is all in with you. He's not just waiting in the shallow end of your life. He jumped completely in with you. And you know what, God? God is, God is faithful. He's faithful to sanctify you completely. You struggle with that? I mean, I look at my life and I'm like, really? Completely? Because I look pretty unsanctified. In some areas, I I look, I look pretty helpless in some areas. And it says, no, God is going to do the work. He will sanctify you completely. He will finish the work that he started within you. He is faithful. He will completely sanctify you and heal you. We will be one day completely healed, both spirit, body and soul. I mean, that's just that's just beautiful. So when we think, man, my spiritual life is just kind of stalled out. The thing is. God doesn't stall out. We stall out. We're the ones that stall out. It's not God going, okay, find me. You know, find me. I'm over here. You know, God doesn't play that game. He is gracious and he presents himself to you. Wants you to find him. He's not playing hide and seek with the church. It's not how God works. He's doing everything to speak to you. And so just know that if you feel stalled out today, if you feel like, man, I'm just... I can't get any traction. It's not because God is not there. It's not because he has left you. So number four, without a clear mission, we are absent of meaning. Absent of meaning. Proverbs twenty-one twenty-five says, The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. So it's literally this point where our very desires, our very laziness is hurting us. It's killing us. It's giving us a lack of purpose, a lack of meaning in this world. And so without a clear mission of what we're about and why we would do all of this stuff, we're going to lack meaning. And the sluggard in this situation, he lacks meaning not because he hasn't been given meaning, but because he won't receive his meaning. Because he won't walk in in faithfulness to the things God has called him to. And, And some of you get that. You're like, I just, I don't feel like... I don't feel like God's using me. I don't feel like I've got enough talent. You know, Brian, you're speaking up there. You know, I don't speak or I can't play on the worship band. You know, they seem to be doing something pretty good. Or, you know, I see this person over here and they're a great evangelist and seem like all their friends are finding Jesus, you know, or, you know, this person over here. You start comparing yourself to other people like God's playing favorites. Like, oh, he gave them a great gift, but I'm just I'm just kind of meaningless over here. I don't, I don't have any real point, but if you catch your mission and you catch the value of the people in your life, I mean, every one of you have people in your life and in the economy of the kingdom, nothing means as much as people. 
nothing means as much as people. And so whether you reach the masses, you know, whether you are a modern day Billy Graham reaching thousands and thousands of people, or you are just that person that loves their friend well, one friend. God says that friend is infinitely valuable because they are made in the image of him. So that means that they are intrinsically valuable. God has given them value from birth. And so by impacting them, by doing your part, you have meaning. Isn't that that awesome? You have purpose. You are here for a reason. If it's for one or, or a thousand, you are here for a reason. If you would walk into that. And number five, without a clear mission, we amplify our assets. We amplify our assets. This is when we think we are awesome. We just think we are great. And man, the world is just blessed to have me. I mean, I'm a contributor. Look at me. Cheetos on my lips. I mean, I am awesome. Proverbs 26, 16 says, The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. So this is the point where we are so lost in self-delusion that we are convinced that there's nothing better out there. We're convinced that nothing needs to change. And it talks about seven men. It's like, it's like you're a Cheeto guy, right? You're laying on the couch and your buddy come, comes in and he's like, hey man, you've been here for like 36 hours. It's time to get up. I mean, man, there's, there's something better for you. And you're like, have you seen my bowl of Cheetos? Are you kidding me? Does it get better than my bowl of Cheetos? And so he's like, all right, whatever. And then he comes back with another friend. And there's two of them. They're like, hey, hey, wake up. There's something better for you. And you're like, we controller. I mean, come on. This is we fit. This is cool. Play it with me. I mean, this is fun. How does it get better than this? They're like, no, there's something better for you. And we keep pushing them off because we are wiser than seven. You can bring seven of your friends in here. And some of us are at that point. We are so delusional. We're so convinced that what we're doing is the right thing. It's the best thing because you know what? It is comfortable on this couch. And then he talks about the vineyard. In Proverbs 24, 30, talks about his vineyard. And this is sort of a metaphor for life. This is sort of a metaphor for what his life was. It says on, in verse 30, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns and the ground was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. And I just, I just think about this. I think, does this describe your life? Because this, even if it doesn't, this could potentially describe all of our lives. Where when somebody looks in at you, you, you are a picture of what not to do. That, that your life has amounted to nothing, not because you've been given nothing, but because you haven't walked in faith. And you haven't trusted that God has given you a deeper purpose and has a plan for you. And it says that it's overgrown with nettles, you know, and it's like overgrown with weeds and the walls broken down. Nobody's done any maintenance. Nobody's done any work to this place. And I, I just think about, I think about the person in this passage and I was thinking, did they plan to get here? Like, did they plan to be lazy? I don't, I don't know if anybody wakes up and says, you know what? I'm just going to waste my life. That's what I'm going to do. I, I, that's a great plan because what I'm doing really isn't working. So I think I'll just waste my life. I don't think anybody does that. I don't think it's intentional. I don't think if we fall into laziness, it's because we wanted to. But verse 33 says this. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. You see what he's saying there? Solomon's saying it's, it's as simple as this. Man, I am tired Oh, I'm just going to just for a minute here. That feels good. You're sat down after like a long day's work and been like, that feels really good. I like this. And in fact, I'm just going to kind of fold my hands here for just a minute. And then and then maybe I'm just going to close. I'm just going to close my eyes. You know, I'm not sleeping. You guys do this. I'm not sleeping. I'm just closing. I'm resting my eyes like you're sleeping. I'm not sleeping. I'm closing my eyes. I'm just going to close my eyes for a minute. 
And he says, this is how, this is how it happens. This is how a life is slowly wasted away. It's not because you wake up and you just choose to do it. It's because slowly you fall asleep. You literally just fall asleep. It's like you're in the middle of this room with your eyes closed, surrounded by opportunities like one of my kids, you know, and and I feel like God's like, look at what you have. Look at what I've given you. In Proverbs chapter, chapter six, it says, it says, you know what you need to do? If this is you, if you struggle with this, you need to look to the ant. So we're going to look to the ant. Proverbs six, six. It says, go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer, gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So today's Palm Sunday, as we, as we set the week aside to remember what Christ did for us on the cross. And Palm Sunday is an interesting thing as you think of this crowd of people whose lips were praising Jesus, who expected him to be this military leader to come and rescue them. And yet for many of them, he was not their king. You realize you can profess Christ with your mouth and yet he doesn't rule within your hearts because we see at the foot of the cross a very small crowd was left. And if you're lacking motivation today, if you're like, yeah, Brian, this is me. I I struggle with this. I, I, I am lazy. I know there's more for me. You don't need to just go get motivated. You need to go to the foot of the cross. That's where you go. Because I know that just telling you, go get motivated, is going to last like a day. Because we all know that we can get motivated for a short period of time to do almost anything. But what I want to see today is I want to see the love of Jesus washing over you in such a way that it wakes you out of your sleep. It wakes you out of your sleep. You couldn't help but but be awake and be aware and be ready and be watching all of the opportunities that are around you. And so I've got a, just a challenge for you today. I think as a church, there's a lot of ways to, to, to show the love of Christ within you. Um, one of the things that we keep talking about is Easter's coming. And I want to challenge you to be a part of this. I want to challenge you to bring some friends with you. To not just do it someday, but to go and do this. If you, if you have Facebook, social media, stuff like that, I want to ask all of you, just even right now as we're in church, get on there and just share the, uh, the Egg Drop this Saturday event. It's on the ACF Facebook page. You can get on there. You can share the Easter event. But if everybody in this room that, that has social media does that, you guys, it seems like a simple thing. It, it may seem like it's not that valuable, but this starts a conversation. You know, you might get an instant message from somebody about, you know, hey, what's this thing that you're, that you're doing? That was AOL, instant message. You hear that throwback? That's, I'm old school like that. Instant message. So, I mean, you might have, it might start a conversation. I was getting a coffee this morning and, you know, the barista was asking me about this because there's a stirring in our community. And so you get to be a part of that. I want to call every single one of you to do that. It's a, it's a very simple thing. And I think God's going God's gonna to use that. If you don't have social media, I want to encourage you on our website. We've got a we've got a header that you can click on to do an evite and you can email that to all your friends. You can send that to your friends. If you're like Brian, I don't have a computer. I don't know what you're talking about with this Facebook, Instagram thing. You have an invitation on your seat. Give it to somebody. Go give it to somebody. You guys, this is so valuable and it's so practical and it's right in front of us. And so I'd encourage you to be a part of that. If you're awkward and you're like, I don't know how to invite people to church. I don't know how to do this. I just want to give you a really quick tool for inviting people to church all year round. These are three knots to keep in mind. Three knots. And I found these. There's a guy named Andy Stanley. He came up with this and I thought it was awesome. So I stole it. But three knots that he has for an invite. And this is, these are so simple and practical. The first one is this. Things are not going well. When you find somebody and they're like, man, life's hard right now. We've got sickness in our family. We've got some struggles in our marriage. You know, I'm, I'm not doing good at school. I don't know what's going on. I'm fighting with my parents. I mean, things are not going well. That's, a, that's an amazing open door for you to say, hey, I've got this community that I'm, that I'm a part of, this church that will love you even when you're messed up. 
that will encourage you and help you. And there's, there's peace and grace in Jesus. I mean, that's a great opportunity. The second one is this. I'm not ready for blank. I'm not ready for whatever it is. I'm not ready for kids. I'm not ready for marriage. I'm not ready for this new job. I'm not ready to move back home. I'm not ready to move out. I don't know what it is, but I'm not ready for it. That's a great chance to invite them to come be part of this community. The third one is this. I'm not from around here, which there's going to be a lot of this summer. People moving into this city, lots of movement. If somebody's new, it's super easy. You see a moving truck on your street, just go down, bring them some banana bread or something and say, hey, have you guys found a church? And if they're like, church, that's fine. It's up to them, you know? See, it's not our job to assume that people are going to say no. It's to give them the right to say yes, to give them the opportunity to say yes. So don't just assume a no. And so as we close out this week, you guys... I have just been so encouraged by this series. I think that God's going to do amazing things in our church in this next season. Um, And so what I want us to do is, is commit to moving forward together. We've spent 12 weeks talking about the different codes that we would live by as a church, different ways that we will be making disciples and growing in Christ. And so what we're going to do here is we've got these little sheets and these have all 12 weeks on them. And we're setting up uh, spots in each corner. We've got tables in the corner and a table right here, but we're going to invite you guys to come up. And so we've got enough for each family. So come up as a couple and do one or come up as an individual. If you're, if you're single and and do one of these, but make a commitment and you're going to pour the wax on the sheet and you're going to stamp it just as a way of saying, I commit to being a person that lives my life on mission for Jesus. And so don't do this lightly. I don't want you to just come running up here because everybody's running up here. But consider this. Do you want to be somebody who lives by this code? Do you want to live on mission? And, and just get to that spot in your heart. And I encourage you to come forward. We've got a lot of people in the room, so we're going to try to get you through fairly quick. But come forward and, and just make your stamp. Because we want to be people who live lives of purpose on mission for Jesus. And this is the code that we will live by. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your peace. Father, we come to you from all different places. God, many of us see the failures only in this past week. God, we see how we come before you as as weak and broken. And God, we just are grateful that by the name of Christ, we can come into a relationship with you. God, that you speak to us and you love us, God, and that you want an intimacy with us. And God, I just pray this over our church and over us as individuals, that we would be people who live intentionally, that life wouldn't just be something that happens to us, but God, we would reach out and press forward for the kingdom of God. We love you, God. Give us the strength that we don't have on our own accord and use us for your kingdom. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you.